All right, folks, welcome back to the last Mountain West Wire delayed football podcast. Apologies to all, because I got some explaining to do about one of the games I picked or maybe didn't pick. MWWire.com is a website where you can find all of our, what, what we got here, Matt, podcast, articles, randomness on Twitter, MWC Wire. Good tweets by you typically throughout the day. Good work. I do my <laughs> best. I do my best. You, uh, I also like how when you put out the SP+, you're like, these aren't my numbers. Quit yelling at me sometimes. But you always ask you always ask Bill the question. They typically respond to most everybody. Like, why is Utah State still ranked so low in SP plus? Yeah. Well, we'll get to that when they play New Mexico State because there's reasons for it. And our Twitter was not too happy with our commentary with the Aggies versus Aggies over the weekend. Yeah, well, we'll um, get to that one. We got a couple of games to get to first. Though. Oh my goodness. That this weekend. What's the first game here? Is it the um oh we gotta talk about the sadness of Air Force losing once again to Army? Oof. That, that game was, that was a tough one. It was an early kickoff. Yeah. At whatever Ranger, we forgot, I forgot the name it called, not Globe Life, but something else random. Decent crowd for the game in Arlington. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> anytime, I say this a million times, first off, they lost in overtime, 21 to 14, first of all, when you get that right out of the way. If they, there were so many throws in this game, it didn't seem like an academy game for both sides. <laughs> like, where did that come from? Neither well, team could move the ball in the first half, really. Like, it was uh, not many points. Air Force didn't score their first points until, what, the third quarter? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was a scoreless game at halftime. Oh, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, I was pulling the box. I'm like, I remember watching, like, were there no points? I don't want to sound like a dummy saying there were no points at halftime, but I do remember now, yeah. I was kind of just, it's been a couple days. But scoreless halftime. More throws than you expect in this game. Air Force's running attack wasn't all that productive. Like, Army never throws the ball, and they threw it 13 times. Yeah, well, here's the thing. It was like, you know, when you really look at it, it was really a tale of two games. And so, like, you yeah. know, I, I like to lean on sort of the advanced stats, but I'm, I'm, I don't have any sense of, like, how those advanced stats changed over the course of the game. And, I, you know, so I look at sort of the first half of it where it was, like I said, it was a scoreless game. Both defenses really showed out, you know, like neither team averaged five yards per play. Um, you know, Air Force, I think, had a, had a little more success running the football and a little less success throwing it in the first half. And then, you know, we were talking about you know, how much are the Falcons going to, you know, use the pass as a change up in, in, the, in the same way that they had in, in some recent weeks. Turns out you were right. You know they they ended up dropping back. <laughs> they ended you. up dropping back twenty one times in the in the second half, and it mostly worked. I mean, I would say that it was by far Hazik Daniels's best, you know, performance as a sort of a kind of traditional drop back passer. I guess you would say. Yeah. The problem was, you know, for for all the things that Air Force did well in this game, and you would think that if you if you if you hold army to what was it 2.7 yards per carry after you adjust for sacks there that was an offense mm-hmm. that came into the game averaging five yards per carry so if if you were hey, an Air Force fan, defense is legit like if you, if you hadn't watched the game and said and saw like hey um did you see that what air force did to army they held them under three yards of carry you would think oh man air force probably ran away with this one Two and a half yards to carry, man. Give it some more respect. <laughs> the problem was there was there was some like when they broke down in the secondary, they really broke down, and That's that was what that was what did the men because you know Army ended up you know they threw several times in the first half and had some success with it, 
but the you know air force you know wasn't able to make suggestions and it's like you know the 79 yard touchdown that they had was more or less kind of the story of how the game ultimately went like air force just they, they didn't really bend a lot but they broke at some really inopportune moments yeah the they got the 14 points that third quarter like the first like the rest defense amazing great but like christian anderson i'm like what the what the heck like they don't throw the ball it's just it was just it's just a weird this is not a typical academy game no i would i look at the numbers or go back deep because it'd take a while because i don't have that time and i could probably guess but the 40 or excuse me 36 total passes i would put good money this would be the most pass attempts ever in this series I don't yeah, think that's at least a, for at least for a good long while. I would that's not hyperbole, hyperbole, but I'm guarantee I can almost guarantee at worst top five most passes ever. Mm-hmm. Like even when they had like Jalen Robinette catch the ball a couple years ago when he was like a legit NFL prospect. Like they weren't throwing the ball that much, like for Air Force, but Air, it was just a game where the running game can there's no explosive plays. I think there's only four 10 yard plus plays for Air Force, no yeah. rushing touchdowns. And same thing with Air Force. Their defense longest play for Army was two 10-yarders. Like, they couldn't break down the field, and that's kind of what you want to do if you're a defense that gets a run option, triple option attack. The key is don't give up big plays. Like, give up as many yards as you want sometimes. Not that this happened, but it's like just don't give up big plays. Yeah, give them four yards here, seven yards here, but don't give up that huge 25-plus yard run. Both defenses did a great job. It's just Air Force had their turnover. Um, it just throwing too many times. Like, it's also – this game may not have gone over time. There's a missed field goal by Air Force in the first quarter. You had the turnover on downs by – you couldn't get one yard? Was, that miss was by Army, just to correct uh, you real oh, oh, did, did I not say that? I thought – oh, my bad. You said Air Force. Well, yeah, but, oh, sorry. Uh, but Air Force had the fourth and one play. They couldn't get a first down by Ezekiel Daniels. I'm like, what are you guys doing, man? Would you have kicked a field goal there? No points yet. First half winding down. Would you – do you agree with them going for it at the 27? Because that's still a – Decent forty-something yard field goal, forty-four yarder. You're you okay. You were Air, you were you were Air Force. You were yeah. against a rival. You were looking mm-hmm. to assert your will. You know you're looking to kind of shove it in the in, in, into the Black Knight's face, and you're already okay. an offense that goes for it on fourth down more than any other team in the conference. Of course, you go for it in that situation. It's good process, and it just didn't work out for them in this game. Like, this is still a team that is converting, you know, they've converted 22 of 30 fourth down attempts, you know, through nine games this year. It was absolutely the right decision. Army just made a really good defensive play. And it was sort of indicative of sort of how the game went for Air Force on offense, where you mentioned, like, the, the run game didn't really get to go. They didn't really get going either. They only averaged 3.5 yards per carry. And that was despite the fact that, you know, they had more plays overall. Army had fewer sort of, um, you know, they had fewer havoc numbers. Like they only had four tackles for loss despite all the rushing attempts. Yeah. And and they, and even when it came to third down situations, like when they set themselves up in third and short, more often than not, they were successful in this game. Like they were, they were six of 16 overall, but in, in terms of, um, you know, third and short, so like third and five or fewer, they were five of seven. So it's like you know, when things were working, it was working pretty well. It's just like there were certain stretches of the game where, you know, when it wasn't third and short, they really struggled to move the ball. 
And, you know, when it came down to it and they needed one yard, they made the right decision to go for it and just didn't get it. Like that's, that's, and that's not bad luck. That's just good play from, from, a, from a, yeah. what, what is a mm-hmm. solid defense. Yeah. Give credit to Army. Like they made plays when oh, the yeah, chips were totally. down. Yeah, they, they scored. Yeah, they made the two stops on fourth down, which is huge. Because here's the thing. Had Air Force gotten the first down the, um, in the first half, let's say they only go – say it ends up being like fourth and three. They probably kick a field goal if they get a few yards, like a 30-something yarder, mm-hmm. most likely. But the other one, it's like they stopped them twice. Those are probably the two of the biggest plays of the whole game. Like the interception didn't lead to any points. Army turned it over and down. So the defense about midfield, they stopped the Black Knights there. Mm-hmm. And then, unfortunately, overtime, they couldn't do it. Army scores first, and then Air Force just couldn't score. Like, they had to go for it on fourth down, and didn't get it done at the six-yard line. So it's like, well, this is just a weird game for – this is not the typical academy game, like we mentioned. It was Mm – I don't know. They were aggressive, but they had to be so few yards on the the table. Like, nobody's moving the ball. This is more of a – like, a clear defensive showdown – and anytime these teams have to throw over 12 times or 10 times, it's not usually not very good. And that happened in this case. Well, and either, okay. so, and both so these teams, both these teams could have lost. Here's what I'll say, though. Like you say, like throwing the ball that much didn't work. But in terms no, of I mean, like, in terms of like, uh, not- in terms of expected points added, which again, I'm not overly familiar with all the vagaries of, of sort of how it measures things. But I'm just going to try. We and... just need to get Parker on the show sometime to talk about Parker. Explain maybe, this. maybe. What, but, I, <laughs> but I just want to point. I just want to point out, like among all the Mountain West teams in terms of like EPA per pass this weekend, the only team that had a better time throwing the football among Mountain West teams was Utah State, which we'll talk about more about them in a, in a little bit. The problem in this game was, you know, EPA per pass for Air Force was 0.572, which I'm assuming is like pretty good, you know, relative to a lot of other strong performances that we saw this week. The problem for our for Air Force was that you know whatever I'm assuming allowing an EPA per pass of over one is probably not good because I'm looking I'm looking yeah. up and down you know Parker's box scores and I'm not seeing anybody else that comes close and so to me you know our Air Force had to turn to the to the passing game and you know it worked about as well as it could have the problem was when Army did the same thing they had even more success. Yeah, I'm just saying, if you're throwing that many times, it's not usually the results not going your way. Yeah, but you could throw well. Like has unique Daniels, thirteen twenty two is really good. Two hundred two hundred twenty plus yards, did fine. It's just that if he's doing that, things like I said, things are probably not going your way, and that's clearly what happened. But so could they could still with the commander in chief if um, Navy beats Army? Is that right? So I think so. If I remember correctly, like they basically blew their they basically blew their chance at it by losing to Army because I think if it ends up one and one all the way around, then it reverts back to who got it last year? It. Army did. Oh, never mind. That Air Force had it for some reason. Well, yeah, but yeah, they're done. It's yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's um. Sorry, Coach uh, Calhoun. Apologies, but uh, is there anything to take away from this game going forward? Because it doesn't impact them in league play. There's still two losses within the Mountain West or. One loss with the Mountain West, I should say. Eddie, no, they've wait, wait. They lost to oh, oh crap. I don't have this record. They've lost me. to they've lost to Utah State. They've lost to San Diego State in conference. Okay, play. that's right. I knew there's another one. So they're still yeah, they're still Utah State's almost got it in the bag, but 
it's a tough loss because this game sometimes means more to them than the mountain than the conference play sometimes, right? Like these commander chief type games are playing Navy and Army. It's kind of more almost more important, they said before in the past. So here, here's what I'll say. I think if there's one potential red flag, it's that it's now two weeks in a row that we've really seen the ground game struggle against a pair of pretty strong defenses. And so I, I think especially next week, you know, going down uh, going up north rather. Uh, to Fort Collins for the Ram Falcon rivalry. Oh boy! It, like it, 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 you know, we'll talk more about the Rams in a minute. But you know, oh there's a, there's a, there's, a like, <laughs> there's a likelihood that it won't get much easier for them. That they're going to have to find some answers sooner rather than later. I think mm-hmm. that's about that's about the only takeaway that I would keep an eye on. Yeah, like they're both eligible. They're probably not going to play for the division title, but we'll see what the Rams defense does. But let's get to um, my timeline's all out of whack here. What's the next timeline game we get to? Uh, that would be Wyoming. Oh boy, beating Colorado State in the border war. Can I take another victory lap today before I have to eat eat crap soon? Well, well I mean, you and I both picked Colorado State, did we not? Well, I'm not talking. I'm talking about something more generic. Um, okay, okay. Well, we'll have, maybe we should mention that the Cowboys won 31 to 17 before we get into all they that. Sh- they sure did. Point being, I've championed Levi Williams for over a year to be a starting quarterback. Okay, not not, and so he. Played okay. Well, mm, he played fine. 96 he, he didn't have to do too much. He rushed for 116, which is good. He had a long 52-yarder, which nobody can freaking tackle him. Rams, what are you guys doing? He had Titus Swen, that huge 80-something yard, almost untouched play. Like, what was that about? But I felt Levi Williams would be the guy because he could throw well. And I'm not that he threw great in this game. But it wasn't just him. It was Swen, William, Valade. They ran the ball. 57 times. This, like what Air Force wanted to do. 6.8 yards per carry, including sack yardage. This, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> oh, my, oh my goodness. But this game, like, I have kidding. Like, well, I felt Williams is better QB, but not that he showed it today, but he 200 plus yards, fine. That's great. But for Wyoming overall, like the Rams, like you say the Rams game next week versus Falcons, look what the Rams gave up to Wyoming for a traditional running offense. You're telling now- me Falcons can't. That's a problem for more. I see that's more of an issue for the Rams and Falcons next week. I mean, I, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying, you know, what we had seen to this point in the season Correct. was that, you know, Colorado State was pretty good at defending the run. And then, you know, Wyoming, which had been sort of, you know, up and down as far as the, as far as the efficacy of their own running game. Yeah. That they basically blew the Rams out of the water. Like, you know, Colorado State only had three tackles for loss in this game <laughs> while letting, <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> well, letting sorry, and... sorry, sorry, pass the log to you. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. It's just, you, know, you can't can't handle my water. That's all. But there you know, they okay. let they let Swen, Validate, and Williams basically run all over them, and that was one of the more legitimately shocking developments of the entire weekend. Because you know, and it, it wasn't like it was a total you know no show performance from the defense. So like they did force a couple of fumbles. Um, and I yeah. think one, one of those turned directly into a touchdown, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, all in all, it was sort of like more reminiscent of what we saw early in the season. It was it was a really kind of eerily similar to that South Dakota State game in particular. Where yeah, the Jack Jack was just, crazy. Yeah, they just mm-hmm. ran right over them. I like we look at the Rams, also back in the Rams, so switching back to Rams offense, they ran the ball reasonably well, like almost five yards of carry. Like David Bailey did. 
I even mentioned this before. Like if Bailey gets like I I almost mentioned these exact numbers. Like if he gets about 80 yards on 20 carries, that's good enough. Like he got 19 for 88. Thompson Taylor did okay, but nothing downfield. Everything was super short. Outside of that one trade. Like, did you see that freaking Trey McBride catch on the sideline? That was amazing. Yep. It's like tip, what do you do? Tip it to himself essentially? It's crazy. Like, they didn't really go down. They had only a couple passes, lengthy passes downfield, but they only threw to five guys. Like, he's only five yards to attempt. It's like the Wyoming defense was not letting him get anything downfield except for, like, two passes. Like, Dante Wright did have touchdowns, but nothing crazy downfield. They – Tate was, was fairly accurate, but it's just – it comes back to the Rams' defense not able to stop that ground game. Like, you got just smashed throughout the whole game. Like, you could not stop anything. That's the difference in the game. Like, it was weird, too, because Rams are up 7-0. Like, the defense held on that first drive. Turnover and downs, fourth and one. They stopped Valaday. But after that, they couldn't take advantage. They got the fumble recovery, couldn't score. But they missed a couple of field goals. They had their own interception turned for a touchdown, which kind of killed the game at the end. But they turned over. They tried for a downs. Like, Colorado State just couldn't get a groove going. Like, there was always something going on. Okay, missed field goal. We go for it on fourth down. We don't get it. We have an interception. They weren't. They were not having a consistent game offensively. The numbers overall were eh, not too bad, right? But there was nothing that's there. When you look at actually watch the game, or even if you just glance at the box score, it's like, oh, punt here, field goal here, couple punts, missed field goal, turnover and downs. Like, and they had the one touchdown late in the game, which really didn't do anything. Yeah, I mean, it was it was sort of you know not necessarily the same kind of game that Air Force played against Army, but it did have some similarities where it was just a matter of Wyoming executing. Where Colorado State couldn't, and I think you know one of the things that's most indicative of that is the uh, you know the the you know basically the entire third quarter kind of, kind of tells you the story of the game for both teams. Where you know Wyoming goes out has a very strong drive to sort of open the second half, but you know they the drive stalls outside the red zone. They miss a field goal. Colorado State gets the ball back at their own twenty-seven, get all the way down to Wyoming six and have fourth and five and, and decide to kick a field goal, which, you know, in a situation like that, you know, you're down, what, 17 to 10 at that point. I think that that's, yeah. you know, if it were fourth and one, I would say, you know, maybe, you know, like we just talked about with the Falcons, that they should maybe go for it. I can understand playing it relatively safe, but they missed that field goal from 24 yards out. And then immediately, you know, that's a problem. Yeah. And then immediately, you know, Wyoming marches down the field, scores a touchdown, takes a two-score lead. And then from there, you know, into the fourth quarter, Colorado State was just never able to recover. You know, they're, you know, in the opening moments of the fourth quarter, Centeno gets intercepted. And then on their next drive, they get intercepted again. Like, that's a that's a three-drive swing right there where, you know, if one thing goes differently, you're, you could be looking at a much different game going into the fourth quarter. But to Wyoming's credit, like they made plays and you know took advantage of a Rams front seven that had you know played pretty well against the run all season long, and just you know we were able to set the tone of the game and put it away late. Yeah, but you mentioned the they mentioned the secret word for Colorado State field goal. <laughs> no, I, I guess what I'm saying is like you know if you, if no you, no if you go back it's to that funny. question they, of, of yeah. like did did Wyoming win the game or did Colorado State lose it? I think Wyoming won the game. Oh, for sure. And tell me, like, the crazy thing is, Thompson Taylor, this is an interesting number, 2036, that's not too bad. Wyoming had seven pass deflections, pass defense, defending. Mm -hmm. 
that's crazy. Their defense, their hands are everywhere. Like Victor Jones had two. You had all these guys. You had a S to get multiple guys with double, like more than one pass breakup. It's like mm-hmm. they were getting – they're harassing Todd Sintay. He only got sacked, what, what twice? A couple sacks. But, like, they mm-hmm. were knocking the balls down. And the, yeah, this is a game where the Rams – this wasn't a game where had the Rams made their kick, made touchdowns or field goals they win. This is a game where, like I said, they weren't consistent. Running game did fine. The offense didn't go pass an offense, wasn't great downfield. Wyoming just bulldozed them and seven yards of carry. Wyoming, like, what the heck? Where's this Wyoming team been? As well, you say this is like the the Rams team from before. Jack Rabbits, where's this Wyoming team? Like, it's it's a weird it's a weird game for them to show up like this for the opponent who for what 85% of their games has been really good playing rush defense. Well, I mean, I would imagine if you're a Cowboys fan, you're probably thinking better late than never, right? Oh, obviously, clear. They lost, they didn't want to lose five in a row. Now they have a chance for a bowl game, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, Priceline. Is okay. Do we? I saw you made this tweet about Steven Dazer's buyouts. <laughs> Are we going to do that? So are we going to pay the eight bucks to go, Daddy, to get that? No, I'm I'm too <laughs> poor for that, to be honest. <laughs> I was. I mean, man, though, like that's just it's rough. And you know, you saw some of the post game quotes from some of the players. I think Trey McBride was sort of the the primary one. Like it kind of seems like you can you can sense the the frustration growing in the locker room. Yeah. Um, so, um, what was I going to say here? This is funny. I was going to bring up a mention, bring up something. Internet, internet's a funny place because I was thinking about. Did you see who te- who Texas Tech hired? Uh, for I heard their head coach. Hired, uh, I, I know the guy's name is McGuire. I forget his first name. Yeah, like Jason McGuire, just, I believe. Close, Joey McGuire. Joey McGuire. So he's an assistant from Baylor. And the reason I say internet's funny because I want to pull up to who that was. Apparently, the internet thinks it's Sonny Cumbie as the head coach at the moment, which is not the case. <laughs> not even on Wikipedia, but it has him up there. But the reason I bring it up, not because it's Matt Wells there before, or also that hire is weird because, you know, you think if you hire a coach midseason, you're going to have a big name ready to go, and that's mm-hmm. what they get. But my point being, like, the Rams, like, where would they go if they, there's going to be a million openings? I honestly think, and that was a weird hire. I didn't expect it because the Art Bryles thing was floating around where all the boosters wanted the alum of the scummy Art Bryles. They raised all this money. Yeah. It's like the biggest shirt search ever. And like, thank you for not doing that because it's a disgrace. But they hired a guy, Matt Wells, who was three and five this year. Okay, like his past two years, above 500 overall, the former Aggie coach. Also need to know that no David Yost is in college football at the moment for the surfer guy. We need to bring him back to some bring him to con- some some team within the conference because he's amazing hair. But point being, if they if they want to make a change, I know it might be expensive, but look at all the options that are out there for them this year. Because US like look at all the big jobs are opening. There'll be some trickle down. Like we barely kind of casually mentioned this last week, but USC, LSU, you have uh, Florida. Dan Mullen's probably not going to be last in Florida. You have this Texas Tech opening, which is already TC opening, TCU. You're going to have 
probably Chip Kelly may not be back at UCLA. Herm Edwards might not be. There might be five Pac-12 jobs open. And like Washington State's already open. So there's going to be options where they can have a pick of maybe a pretty good coach. Either guys have been like, you don't want a fired coach, but while they're shuffling and moving, they might be able to grab a guy they wouldn't think they could get otherwise. Yeah. And, and in the meantime, at least, you know, Rams basketball tips off this week. Yep. Nico Medved. Heck yeah. They're NCAA tournament team. They got Oral Roberts this weekend. So I guess we can all switch to basketball. But do you think there's a chance that he could be gone? Todd's, uh, not Todd Santana, but uh, Coach Adazio. I mean, honestly, probably not. Because too I don't expensive? know. Where, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's too expensive. <laughs> I mean, I guess I guess we'll see. I, I, I've been wrong about this kind of thing before, but, you know. You're probably right with the money thing. Yeah. Because I'm betting he'll get one more year because last year, the COVID year doesn't necessarily count, but there's already so many things going on. The way this the search went, it was a, a joke. It was, I have my buddy Urban Meyer, who used to coach at CSU. It's like, come on. Let me, All right, now let's go to the next game. What do we got here? I'm tired of this one. I'm tired of the Rams. Sorry. Sorry, that CSU guys. Be, but, uh, that would be Utah State 35. Is it Boise? No, oh, yeah. Utah State 35, New Mexico State 13. If you watch this game, it means you a we're either in Las Cruces or b shelled out money to Flow Sports to watch the game. <laughs> in, which, in which case, we we uh, we admire you for your devotion. We do. I listened on the radio a little bit because I was working that day, and my radio station work at airs the Aggies game, so I was there half listening doing other work. Um, to say that the on-air talent was befuddled by this game, you they would not be alone. And. I do like Aggie Twitter, who, excuse me, I should say Utah State Twitter. Oh, do we need to mention they won 35-13? Was that brought, come across yet as our negative top <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, well, we can mention <laughs> it again just to be on the safe side. But it, it did, I mean, like, honestly, though, I was, I, I mean, I was sort of, I mean, I was maybe, I don't know if I was overly critical, but then you look at, like, what actually happened in that first quarter, and they were getting dominated in that first, in those first 15 minutes. They were down 10 nothing. But by that point, you know, New Mexico State had already compiled up 187 yards, which that would be more than half the yardage that they'd get for the entire game. Um, you know, they were 9 of 11 through the air. They were, you know, moving the ball basically up and down the field. And, you know, it, it was so it had all the hallmarks of another kind of Aggie slow start, which we had seen, you, you know, all. I just I think we were both sort of expecting them to at least hold on to the momentum from last week's Hawaii game where they were able to kind of, you know, put the, put their foot on the Warriors early and really keep them at arm's length. I kind of thought we'd see that again and we didn't. And so, you know, of course they were able to sort of turn it around, you know, get loose and then start chipping away. And then ultimately, you know, in the, in the second half, that was when things really turned around for them, but it's, you know, but this might just be who they are at this point. They're a team that sort of starts slow, but then most of the time, because of the talent that they have on offense, especially, they find a way to pull it, you know, turn it around and, and pull it off. They do, but also, <clears throat> man, excuse my apologies. This is a terrible show to be doing this tonight. For <laughs> random choking. We're both like, ah. but I don't think we're wrong in saying what they did or didn't do. Because if you're, okay, the Mexico State is literally one of the worst teams in college football. Do you know, we, I know, and we were not overly critical. It's like, oh, another slow start, which is nothing new for this team, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and so, so us saying, like, like, where's your retraction? Where's this? I'm like, uh, 
we knew they were going to win, but they won reasonably well. But that third quarter was great. They turned it around. But there's a reason they lost to Boise State where they weird plays, turnovers, which is a little different than just playing poorly overall, like not moving the ball. But if you put them up, like, I want to make the case right now, and Utah State fans are going to hate me. We we need to do what we did last year. I, wanted, I, I do not want to see, and I'm being dead serious, I don't want to see a San Diego State-Utah State championship game. I want to see Fresno State against San Diego State. I want to see Nevada, Fresno, Nevada, San Diego State. I don't care. To, even though Devin Tompkins is amazing and probably should be a Blitnikoff finalist, which I'm able to vote on these awards now, so maybe I'll grease the wheel to get him up there. I'm possibly, I, can, I have a vote on some of these awards now. But I don't want to see – I don't trust Utah State against any good team. Even though they're 7-2, having a really good year, Devin Tompkins is freaking amazing. The best receiver in the conference – one of the best in the country. He is that good, but they beat UNLV by four points. They beat CSU by two points. The Hawaii game was really good. That's where we thought they turned the corner, Matt. It's a reason to begin the show. SP Plus still has them at 90-something because they win close games against bad teams. Like, they're fine. Like, they do okay. They get to win. It's great. We'll talk about San Jose State later. They play them next week. Spartans? With Nick Starkle looked pretty good with their game. Like when they played Nevada, they held Nevada to what we'll get to what 17 points or something, not many points that game in their loss. But I don't, you just, it's hard for me to say they're not a good team at seven and two because that's what it sounds like I'm saying. Well, I'm not, that's, I'm not, that's pretty much what you said a couple of minutes ago. I'm just kind of letting you I ride. did. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, but you, you tell me you don't want to see Nevada, San Diego State again, Fresno, San Diego State, Fresno, Nevada. If, if the opportunity was presented, I, I kind of think you're giving the Aggies short shrift here a little bit. I'll take it. I, th- I, I and, will, and here's here's why. Here's, here's why. the they might be ten and two, and I'm not going to like it. That's it's weird. I get okay, it. So here's they, here's the thing. Yes, okay. Yeah. They they haven't okay. Straight the schedule is you know it is what it is. You gotta you gotta do what you gotta do against the teams that are right in front of you. Beat UNLV by more than four points. Beat the Rebels by more than four. Even in the games that they've lost this year, they were never that far out of it for for most. Like you know, and and I and I I got most of this discussion when I posted my power rankings on Twitter. (laughs) I saw Boise State fans and Utah State fans, and it's and it's worth reminding people that Utah State outgained Boise in that game, both in terms of total offense and I believe in terms of yards per play. And it was you know it was that you know they lost the turnover battle. You know, and you know the defense, you know, sort of relented, you know, just too far often. Where you know it was a seventeen, what was it, seventeen to three into the fourth quarter before Boise State was sort of finally able to put that game away. And even against BYU, it was a one-score game, like midway through the fourth quarter, right? So here's the Boise State game. So here's what I think you're seeing, though. You know, you're starting to see more of that kind of close game luck that we're seeing, especially in earlier in the year. And you're seeing longer and longer stretches of them being a complete team, which is sort of what I've been waiting on. You know, you saw it for basically kind of the first two and a half to three quarters against Hawaii. And you definitely saw it in the last three quarters of this game against the Aggies because that offense knows how to move. Yeah, Logan Bonner. Not all the time, though. Logan Bonner threw it all. But, you know, they didn't necessarily have a like the most explosive running game again. You know, three. You know, uh, yeah. Noah only averaged three point six yards per carry. Tyler, Calvin Tyler Jr. 
I think you know, he got stuffed on a couple of critical early downs and he only ended up with, with 39 yards, but they didn't need that because like you said, Devin Tompkins went out and had a 200 yard mm -hmm. performance through the air. You know, he was able to spread the ball around, you know, what six different targets had at least two catches. You know, they can play a, they can play a sort of a dynamic game where if they need to lean on the passing game, it's good enough to, to win games if they want to be more balanced that they can. And I think, you know, what the, the biggest leap over the last couple of weeks is that the defense looks like it's finally starting to come around. You know, yeah, 13 points is fine. It's great. Seven but... sacks, 14 yeah. TFLs. You know, and that was something that, you know, we definitely started seeing it more in, against Colorado State a little bit. We saw it against Hawaii. So like that element is like, if they can hang on to that, you know, I would say like there's there's still like not many gimmies left on their schedule. You like you mentioned San Jose State, which is you know they played everybody tough, despite being Wyoming. sort of a transition year. Um, who else do they have left? Wyoming and New Mexico. So I mean, you know, they, they can could, win all they three of those. The, they could run the table, and there's a, like you say, you may not enjoy it. I say that there's a very real possibility that you're starting to see this Utah State team figure it out on all fronts. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> My only problem is that it's a team you played and you struggle. Like struggling against Air Force or Boise, even UNLV, which nah, not really, but no, that game still one by four points. Come on, I know they can be figuring out, but when you're down 10-0, down 13-0 against this Mexico State team, if they start slow against a really good team, they're they're gonna get beat bad. Like if you're telling me if they play Wyoming and they're down 13-0 at the half of Wyoming, they're gonna be able to go to a defense and come back and win. I don't. I can't confidently say that. I think I've seen enough from this offense to think that they could. It's it's. I would. It's one of three offenses in the in the conference that's averaging over six yards per play. Just here's what I want. Give me some consistency. That's what I'm really looking for. That's why I'm not happy or not overjoyed that they. Yeah, they won by 22 points. It's a solid victory. They played great in the second half. They dominated the second half and crushed New Mexico State. It's that spurts and starts here, starting and going. It's like they're trying to learn how to drive a Ferrari and they can't figure out until 20 minutes in the race and they have to blow past everybody. It's like you got to figure out the clutch and the getting first gear, move to neutral. Come on, get to third. Don't go from first to six. You got to go second, third, fourth gear. Come on. It's just like it's not a consistent type of team. And that's what makes it probably, if you're an Aggie fan, you're probably not happy either with how this game started. If you watch this game, really games where. Why are they so close? They have the best receiver. If you were, if you were in my replies, you know, you know, they're just stoked to be seven and two. If you, were, if you were in my replies, like, you know, it's all gravy at this point. And honestly, I still don't think they've hit their ceiling. I don't think so either because they played bad in the first half first New Mexico State. No, like, I'm, saying, I'm could, saying on the season, I think we're seeing more and more what this team is capable of. I just, am I being too harsh on the first half of this game taking such small sample? And criticizing it too much? I think so, because it's not the first half. It was just the first quarter. Yeah, they're, they're down 13 no, first quarter and a half. I just felt, I don't know. I just wasn't liking, I don't know, whatever. It's I didn't really watch the game. I watched highlights and listened to the radio, so there's part of it too, which doesn't give us good context. But, I mean, with, with a good passing game and a good offensive line, you can go pretty far against a lot of, yeah. a lot of teams. But here's the thing, too. They are three and out of their first two possessions. They couldn't get a fourth and short play when they needed it. Fourth and one at the eight. And I like at that point, I get it. You're playing them. It's like they're down 10 0. It's like, let's be aggressive and score a point or get a touchdown and not settle for a field goal. But I just, the interception didn't do anything against them. 
but it was the first quarter and a half where I wasn't happy. It's like if you're if you're a team that wins ten games, you should be you shouldn't have too many issues. But I, I know I'm being too harsh, and it is good to see them play as well because we here's a good part too. We're doing in our DMs like, and people got after us on got after us on Twitter. I'm like, well, we're talking about who's the coach of the year, and I put in a tweet which was accurate from what we were, what we were all discussing. There's a couple of options we're looking at. However, I did make a note it was Blake Anderson at the top because we made a case for Brady Hoke, right? Mm-hmm. You could make a case for Kellen DeBoer. Um, somebody mentioned Brett Brennan, but I don't think that's going to happen. A small case for Andy Avalos, but that's more of, hey, turning things around and getting better. But and I don't, don't, think he's don't forget Jay Norvell either. And Jay Norvell, yeah. There's enough coaches like Avalos is at the bottom, but it's more of, a, oh, they turned it around later in the year and they win the division because nobody thought they would. They, st- they may not, but it's also the award. I think there's two options, Anderson and Hoke. I think those are two most likely options. Most likely it would be Anderson, and it shouldn't be that close. But it's like, oh, you're going to take the guy who overachieves the most? Because what if Marcus Arroyo wins two more games and he's like three and nine? Do you give it to him for overachieving for wins? No. I mean, it is, it is, hard, to, it is hard to argue against having infinity percent more wins from your first year. I know. I, I get it, but like, who would you pick? You go with Blake Anderson, right? Was that your choice? Was that kind of your who you felt who should deserve it? Honestly, I think if the season ended right now, I'd probably vote for Brady Hoke. What's the difference? Because they're ranked, they're one loss, they beat the couple Pac-12 teams. I mean, I forecast both of these teams to be six and six. So it's and, your and and being where the Aztecs are at this point, which we'll talk more about them in a little bit. To just to me, given the context of my, of my personal expectations, you know, I would I'm not saying it was, it's yeah. like a clear cut case, but I would tend to lean in that direction. Okay, I think I'd lead Utah State, Blake Anderson, but we'll see how that goes. All right, what's the next game? What are we going to now? Is it your game? Boise 40, Fresno 14. <laughs> I should say Boise State 40. Get the, put some respect on their name. That was, that was, I just because I, I know that there there's particulars about like yeah, you know, what you're supposed to use and what you're not supposed to use and stuff like that. Oh, here's the point I need to realize, and I didn't bring this up to you, but our buddy Raj sent me a message. I almost forgot about it till now, so I'll insert it here. You can hear it afterwards, Matt. Basically, I I heard it right when he said it was actually a pretty level headed. Typically, not what you think you'd see his Twitter persona sometimes going after it, but. He kind of just briefly discussed the game a little bit. It's like, that's uh, his, his party words, I believe, where it kind of sucks to be a Fresno State fan. He's sorry for that, Matt. But this game, first off, this is where I need to apologize here. Like, uh, I don't know if I should apologize, but we both picked Fresno to win, like m- many people, many people did. Is George Chalotti finally healthy? Because I've always said I'm not trusting them until they prove it, and they proved it to me this week. So I guess I can sort of trust this Boise State team to be to play well, especially running the ball. Well, he's, uh, you know, 21 carries, 117 yards healthy, so I, I would say so. Okay. And two for 69 in the catching the that's, ball, too. That's true. I I don't think I was wrong to say I don't trust him before they've done all year in the ground game. And so this is more of a – even that, they only went 3.7 yards per carry. It's not like they went crazy running the ball. He did well enough and did really good. And maybe he's back and fine, and I can lean back, but it was a point during the pre-show or, I guess – previewing the game not pretty sure whatever but before the game that nobody unless you're the biggest a homer boy state fans you would not expect him to run that well and so but he did he proved me wrong it's fine but 
so Matt, what happened? Like, did Ronnie Rivers not do very well? He came back. Was he fully healthy? You think he had seventy nine yards on the ground? Got a couple I'm, passes. It seemed to me that the coaching staff was suggesting today, I'm recording Monday evening, that you know he maybe wasn't a hundred percent. The Warriors Jordan and Mims, that, had and three, that was three also carries. that was what he had said about Jordan Mims as well. That you know Mims was more banged up, especially ah, after right. taking on you know a, a big workload in the previous two weeks. I mean, the story of the game is Boise State dominated in the trenches. Like oh yeah, that, that's that's pretty much you know where the game was won and lost. And this because you know everything, at least on Fresno State side, I think cascaded. Um, you know, I I start up front with with Boise State having five sacks and seven TFLs, and I say that 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 goes a long way towards you know sort of the, the mistakes that the Fresno State offense ended up getting forced into, and and oftentimes, oftentimes not even forced into. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm trying to remember which 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 interception it was that Jake Hayner basically threw straight to one of the Kaneho brothers. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like you know, we we just talked about how you know do, do teams win games or lose games. I think both things are equally true in this case. Like Fresno State definitely lost this game, uh, oh, and then and then in yeah. a lot of other respects, because you know I want to make this clear for for everybody who read my winners losers column and, and took offense to. Hey, where's Boise State, Matt? Come on. They dominated. Where were they? Give, give, come on. Give us some credit. You hate Boise State. Fresno Boise, State fan. <laughs> Boise State won this game in a that was my lot Twitter of different ways. So, so, so I, obviously, Holani is one of them. Like, you know, his return just made the offense look different. You know, the, the running game looked more explosive, and that, in turn, you know, allowed Hank Bachmeyer to not necessarily have to shoulder the entire load. So, you know, 15 to 27, 283 yards and a, and a touchdown is a, maybe a little more workman-like than, you know, than I expected to see. You know, I thought this would be more of a shootout. Um, but, you know, he did exactly what was what was needed of him. And it was close. Shakir had another solid game, seven catches, 67 yards and a touchdown. You know, I think if you want to quibble a little bit, it wasn't like, you know, like 40 to 14 is obviously a big margin of victory, but I don't know if I would say it was necessarily an A plus performance by the Broncos. And, and I say that because they maybe left some points on the table because they had to settle for four field goals. You know what I mean? Um, I totally do. And also, um, you see how many uh, points of turnovers for Arizona State a lot? Uh, no, I don't have that in front of me. So, I. Can I include turnover and downs? Is that what you mean? Uh, yes, I think you that's can. Turn- I'll allow it. Okay. So 10 points in the first half. This is Boise State scoring. And then you had a, uh, what was it, four, 17 points off turnovers. Not good, Matt. No. Four no. turnovers. Couldn't run the ball. Getting beat up inside. It was, this was, I guess I can quote David Carr. He says he hates Boise State because most Boise Fresno State fans do. But like Fresno wasn't good on third down. They didn't convert any fourth downs. They had uh so they had four turnovers, three turnovers, sorry. They had eleven penalties for ninety-one yards. They weren't disciplined. They were just outplayed in basically every aspect of the game, unfortunately for them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Like Boise State had more explosive plays. And that was ironically enough, despite having a, a slightly lower overall success rate. You know, Boise State's overall offensive success rate was just 29%. You know, Fresno's at 32. It was just you know, Fresno State made a lot of killer mistakes, and you know, the Broncos didn't make any. And that was, you know, that was pretty much a big element of the game. 
was there an area? Was it mostly because had let's just say Morning Rivers or Jordan Mims are fully healthy? Would that have made much of a difference? I mean, like not, the way, not the way that Jake Hayner was playing, and certainly not the way the offensive line was playing. Yeah, his three picks, his what seven yards of carry, or excuse me, seven yards to throw. I mean, he, this is—I mean, this is more or less the Boise State team that I expected to see a month ago. Yeah, you know, and it looked like you know, it looked like they sort of figured out a way to you know navigate through their injury luck. Like it seems like you know the the young guys that they've really kind of put into place. And I think, you know, Kano Iho in particular, maybe the, the best example of it from this week, you know, he had the one interception, you know, obviously his older brother, Kaula Kaniho had another, you know, he, you know, both of those guys played well, JL Skinner, you know, continued what looks like an all conference kind of campaign. He had the third interception, um, you know, the, the veterans were making plays, Ezekiel Noah had, a, you know, five tackles, you know, young guy, they, it's just like, they had the, you know, they weathered a very substantial storm against, you know, some stiff competition. And you know, with Holani back, you with sort of the young guys finding their footing on defense, it sort of seems like they found their footing. And I was I was thinking that this Boise State team would show up at some point. I was worried that it would be in this game. I was I was thinking like it would be definitely be more of an offensive showdown. And that was just not the case because you know, Boise State's one team was. I mean, you know, Boise State's pass rush has maybe been underrated a little bit all season long, and they showed out in this game. You know, Dimitri Washington had a great game. You know, Jackson Cravens had a great game. Divine Abitre had a – like, you know, everybody up front contributed in a way that, you know, they were getting contributions here and there in mixed pass and sort of making it work for them. But, I mean, if they can, if they can do that again down the stretch, you know, I don't think they're technically still out of the race for the Mountain Division title. And so there's still a lot left to play for. They would need um, – because they lost the Air Force, right? Uh, yes. Yes. They lost – they would need to probably tie – I mean, they, they own the tiebreaker against Utah State. They do, but not Air Force. Because Utah – if all three tie, Air Force, Boise, and Utah State, they've all beat each other once. Because the Air Force lost to, lost to Utah oh, State. Oh, man, Utah I'm going to have to start thinking about tiebreaker scenarios soon. We will, but basically, the, just the quick. Here's what it comes down to: It'll probably come to crossover games because the quick thing, if it's two losses in league play, it'll go through common opponents. Um, I think di- division common opponents. Yeah. So and records. So it'd be boys record versus Colorado State, boys record versus Mexico or Wyoming, and so all that will come into play, and then it'll go to. But I bet betting, we'll see. But uh, that's what the tiebreaker be. They'll go to, I think what. Any common opponents. Still a lot to play for. TLDR. There's a lot. Yeah, we'll get to it. So, yeah. Basically, if they, if there's a three-way type two losses, that's how Boise can get in the next. So, basically, they need Utah State to lose once to be back in it, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, they need help. At the moment, they need help. Utah State doesn't need any help. They just keep winning and they're good. All right. Um, is it time to go to the Wind Bowl? Is that where we're going? Uh, yeah. That would be uh, UNLV 31, New Mexico 17. Good job for Coach Arroyo getting his first victory. Um, do we need to discuss his post-game comments first? So, so remind he, me what he said about cancel culture, because I forget the entire quote. Or the, um, entire, it, the entire context, at least. It was basically about believe. Don't, uh, Jeff Grammer had it from the Albuquerque Journal, but it was, it was weird because they, like, did, did they think UNLV football is going to get shut down? Like, 
I'm trying to find exactly and basically like nobody wanted to cancel us or anything. Like, what are you getting at? Like, you make no sense. Your team wasn't very good. Is it about him getting fired? I and don't I have no idea. It was weird because it's like, what are you doing? Because first of all, that's not a thing. People think it's a thing, it's not a thing. You get you leave your because you do something stupid and idiotic. UNLV wasn't doing anything stupid, offensive or idiotic. They were just bad at football. You know what I mean? So it's like to bring that comment, I'm trying to find, I'd see if I can find a score through, but it's just dumb. It's not productive. It's kind of disrespecting your team by saying that. I don't know if he's trying to do a motivation thing, but it was also kind of unprompted the way he said it, like what was brought up. So it's like, I don't, it's stupid. Like, what are you doing? Like, it's like Aaron Rodgers doing the same thing where it's like, no, Aaron, you lie and misled everybody. The Packers let you get away with it. So don't say people are trying to put you away when you do something stupid. So I don't know. It's like it was it was a motivational thing. I don't know what it was. It was just stupid. It's like get over yourself. What are you doing? How about you be excited and say, "Hey, I got my first collegiate head coaching victory. These players are awesome. We finally did it. Work together. We got a victory. Let's celebrate that instead of going after non-existent haters for for being honest. A football program. Very, very, very few people even care about remotely. Just, it was weird. So, so anyway, <laughs> I, I, there's no way to move to it, but it was just weird for him to start his press conference like that. Why not be excited and be awesome? We got the victory, like being high five instead of you guys wanted to get rid of our football team. I'm going to be some weird guy. It's like, no, Cameron and Phil came out and played well. Charles Williams is now the all-time leading rusher for Rebels, passing Tim Cornette, which was a cool stat feature where there's a, or a cool mention. Only three players have ever been the uh, leading rusher of all time. Did you see that? Uh, yeah, I had. Who's the, who's the third one then? Tim Cornette, Charles Williams. Who was before Cornette? Ooh, hold on. You want to vamp for a minute while I look it up and Phil Steele? You can totally look at oh, Phil Steele. I know it wasn't Randall Cunningham because he's a quarterback. But I, it wasn't also um, uh, Mike, Mike, Mike Thomas. Very generic Michael Thomas. Mike Thomas. Mike Thomas, who uh, ran for 3,149 yards in the years 1973 and 1974. That's it? Yeah. That's pretty good. That's nice. It's not bad. All right. So this game, it was a second half game that UNLV pulled away, allowed no points against New Mexico, who still had to play not Kenny – oh, geez. What's his name? Terry Wilson. Why well, I, I say Kenny something? No, like, no. Terry Wilson practice still out. You had CJ Montez, Isaiah Chavez. Neither played very well. Aaron Dumas did good for them. They had, the running game was pretty, actually pretty solid. It just, yeah, uh, I mean, a lot, a lot of that came in the first half plays. when both of those teams were really trading blows. You know, we talked yeah. about, you know, we talked about like stories of halves, and, and this was a game that was really back and forth for a good long while. Um, you know, the, the Lobos actually outgamed the Rebels in the first half despite being outscored. It was a 21-17 UNLV lead. But in terms of like yards per play, New Mexico was averaging nearly seven and a half. And, and part of the problem was that UNLV was averaging nearly seven themselves. And then once both teams made halftime adjustments, I think both teams were able to sort of get the clamps on you know, uh, on, on both offenses respectively, like the, you know, the yeah. yards per play average dipped substantially after halftime. Problem was that's when you only started creating turnovers. Mm-hmm. And, and that was, and that was really this, one of the big stories of the game. I think you and or you and created like what three turnovers. Um, they scored 
14 points off those turnovers. And that was, that was more or less your game right there. Yeah, those two touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah, they, they – no, they're eh, – yeah, 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 that's right. So, no, actually, all – excuse me, all three turnovers led to a touchdown. Yeah, and 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 they were all in really kind of killer situations for the for the Lobos, um, yeah. you know, getting down to the getting down to the forty you know, early in the game and turning it over on downs and, and turning that you know into the next drive where they had a fumble at their own four yard line. Not not ideal. No. Not um, ideal. Also not ideal to fumble at your own twenty six or your own thirty nine, or don't fumble at all. Yeah, just yeah, that was rough. But also, you know, that's a credit to UNLV's defense, which played far and away its most complete game of the year. Like, you know, despite sort of the, the early shakiness, you know, you started to see sort of I would imagine what what UNLV fans have probably been waiting for out of this defense, where you know Jacoby Winman was obviously kind of the leader in the clubhouse, team high 12 tackles, you know, one sack, one forced fumble. You know, but again, Brendan Scott, who we talked about in the preview had two sacks himself. Adam Plant Jr. had a sack and a half. And they start, and they started getting contributions from more guys. You know, Kyle Beaudry got pressed into the starting lineup because uh, I believe Austin Ajiaki was out with an injury. He had he had two forced fumbles and a, and a sack and a half. So he was an integral part of, of setting up those early touchdowns. It was just, it was a dominant overall performance by the defense. Like once the, the game progressed and they sort of figured things out, you know, Chavez, Isaiah Chavez, I believe, got hurt, which is why he only threw the ball three times. Yeah. And Montez, again, kind of struggled in the same way that he did in his last stint against Colorado State, only 7 of 13 for 28 yards. And that was more or less your game right there. Like, once UNLV figured out how to really put the clamps on that ground game, that was that was more or less game-set match for them. It was. And it's good for Rebels for taking advantage of opportunities their defense gave them. Yeah. Because Charles Williams only ran 74 yards. He did, the running game wasn't great. Cameron Farrell was pretty accurate. Decent amount of yardage. Nothing amazing. I guess Kyle Williams is that 75 yarder and the other catches he had. He was fine throwing the ball, but better than what we've seen. So, healthy. I'm sorry, what did you say? Like if Brumfield, he's still injured, and Cameron Farrell gets a victory, I guess they're going to ride with him, right? Because yeah, it wasn't Brum- the Brumfield. That it was won, but... it was announced that Brumfield's out for the year. Oh well, I must have missed that. So never mind. Then. Moot point. Apologies. I yeah. Just, so um... and but I would also I would also say like by this point, you know, uh, obviously Friel has has had some you know freshman mistakes, but I would say like if I was a UNLV fan, I've seen enough of, for him to be the quarterback of the future. Yeah. Why not? Because he's played. He's not just a victory, but Doug Brumfield did fine. But we've seen improvement throughout the past month or so of him being the starter. Yes. Like there are some there are some rough games earlier on. And this game wasn't perfect by any means, but he still had over 200 yards, over 50, well over 50%, had a positive turnover to touchdown ratio. So it's all things that are going well. And so it's yeah, they're and moving, it, and it's they're moving like it, it's not correctly. the same, it's not the same kind of situation, but like I was I was trying to go back kind of over the last decade or so to find maybe who was most comparable to, to Cameron Friel's growth. And yeah. the one name I sort of settled upon was Pete Thomas at Colorado State. Do you remember that guy? I do, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where you know, in his freshman year, he was sort of, you know, thrown in, he was sort of thrown in there and ended up, you know, he ended up the year with 11 touchdowns and 13 interceptions in 2010. 
but he had a 64% completion rate. You know, he averaged a, a solid, you know, 6.8 yards per attempt. So not flashy, but not necessarily bad for a true freshman who was thrown in there because of injury concerns, I believe. And so, you know, he had, you know, a couple of years of growth ended up transferring, which I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that UNLV fans are maybe hoping that doesn't happen. Um, yeah. But, you know, I get the sense that, like, Friel is really growing into the job. So, like, I could see a scenario where, like, when Brumfield gets healthy in the spring, that they make it maybe a quarterback competition again. But I would expect to see, you know, more potential growth in, in the last few weeks of the season for, for Friel. Yeah. yeah, we'll see if they win games or not. But the, there's, like you mentioned, there's young guys. Like, going to next year, Friel's there. Jacob Woodman, finally be an upperclassman. Kyle Williams will be back. Um quarterback obviously young running game will need to figure out what Williams replacement but there's getting there plus they've had some one score games like I mentioned earlier who was it Utah State four point game they had eight, a one one possession game first um Fresno State mm-hmm. UTSA who's undefeated one possession game San Jose State like they've had only a couple blowouts this year like Arizona State Iowa State and Nevada that's it everything else has been close or win or the win mm-hmm. so they're getting there We'll see what they do versus Hawaii. It's at home. So we'll see how it goes. San Diego State Air Force, tricky. They might be 1 11, but I see, excuse me, they're showing growth here, which is good. Yeah. Now let's go to the uh, wind bowl, the wind game, San Jose State, Nevada. That was pretty crazy, right? There was what, five missed field goals in the first half, something like that? Yeah. And then, and then ironically, enough, it was basically one, one or a walk off field goal. Heck yeah, Brandon Salton, he gets the job done when he needs to, right? When it's important, he gets the job done to get the victory 27-24. But, like, watching the flags in this game, it's like, what is going on? Like, you're not going to do do this, do that. It's like, oh, man. But San Jose State, like, they had good at the, uh, the first, the nice fumble, the beginning fumble for touchdown. Like, getting getting that was huge for them. They got they started off 14-0, or not 14-0, but it was, wait, I mean, it was, it was a back and forth wrong? battle. See, it was, I'm it looking, was back sorry. and forth battle, yeah. I'm looking at something wrong. Again, you know how many times I say I don't look at ESPN's things? I know I'm like, I know Nevada scored first. Why does it give the icon for Fresno, for San Jose State? Because I didn't write down what I was going to discuss. I'm like, no, it was it was totally Nevada that scored the touchdown. Why is it telling me this? It was Hensley, Hensley with that huge play. I don't know what, oh, geez. I'm annoyed and I should stop using the box score, Matt. I'm never going to learn, am I? Ever. <laughs> well, what was interesting, I mean, that wasn't the only turnover that turned into points, though. Yeah, you know, because Burdale Robbins had the 86-yard touchdown return. That was their second touchdown in the third quarter. Yeah, I know. And so that that was not good. San Jose State's offense, they finally brought in Nick Stark and they went back and forth, and he looked pretty good out there. Why is there any – I watched some, most of the game on Muse. I kind of fast-forward through it. Why didn't he just get the starts? Because Nick Nash, like that first quarter, first half, they're splitting quite a bit. Was it ever? Did you catch it? Wind of that, or any reason why they didn't just start Starkle? I didn't see anything about it on his face. No, I just kind of assumed it was because Nash was struggling with the offense. A little, maybe a little bit, but you think he's the running? I don't know. It was a. I mean, maybe, but like you know, we mm, talked about. We've talked about how San Jose State has been sort of you know, potentially careless with football before, and of course, you know, Nash threw the pick six and. I believe as a team, San Jose State had what three or four fumbles in this game as well. You know, obviously yeah. they, only, they only lost the one, one which turned into a fumble. Them. But like you know, those mistakes 
you know, without those mistakes, again, this could be a much different game, especially since, you know, it was sort of a chess match and it wasn't like Nevada didn't make its fair share of mistakes as well. Like Carson Strong had a couple of interceptions. You know, he threw the ball. The flea flicker. <laughs> that was weird, wasn't it? Well, the announcers are right. Like they're playing super deep. The San Jose, San Jose State School was to not let anything deep down the field. Mm-hmm. And they mostly achieved that. They went the the Hawaii defense of 2020. Well, they let you get the underneath stuff, but you're not going deep over the top. Mm-hmm. But it was a it was a good play to do. But in the wind, it's like I don't know. Like no, he wasn't perfect by any means. Two picks, and the running game wasn't great. They were able to do it because the defense pulled off the uh, big plays against San Jose State, like the fumble for touchdown, the pick six. That's the reason it came about. It wasn't Mister Andy the offense doing spectacular? Like their defense had. Two touchdowns on defense. Like they scored more points on, like they scored as many points off or more points off defensively than offensively, essentially. They sacked a quarterback, or excuse me, TFLs were six. They knocked all these passes down. The defense is why they won the game, not Aiden Carson Strong. Like he wasn't bad, 300 plus yards, but he wasn't chucking it downfield to Romeo Dub like he did. This was the defense stopping a Spartans offense because Spartans offense looked pretty good. They moved the ball. Especially when Starkle finally got out there, he didn't eh, get reasonably well, maybe not great. But Tyler Nevins had a big game. They, like Jermaine uh, Braddock, had a huge game, 140 yards. They threw it a million different receivers. But it's basically, what am I else going to say? Wolfpack defense made two huge plays. It was the difference. I mean, they, they got a lot. Of, I mean, San Jose State got a lot of chunk plays, but that's where I think sort of the, the yards per play disparity is maybe a little bit deceptive. You know, because on the on the game, you know, Nevada, I think, only averaged what four point three yards per play. San Jose State, on its face, you know, they 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 beat them by a yard and a half. You know, five point five point eight. But I think a lot of that was wrapped up in chunk plays that they weren't necessarily getting all the way consistently. You know, and that I think goes back to Starkle in particular, who was again only twenty one of forty. So you have to imagine, like, if they were a little bit better about connecting on some of those missed opportunities. You know, that's where you get into other things like, you know, being only 4-15 on third downs and, and, and things like that, where you left Nevada just enough breathing room at the end to, you know, you know make a comeback. Yeah, it's – they also – the same thing offense. Like, they couldn't score when they got the ball. Like, they got the interception with field goal. Then they went interception back-to-back. So there's – Couple of times they had a couple of chances, like they turn over on downs, they only got a field goal out of it when they stopped Nevada when they were going for that fourth and three at midfield, exactly. which is fine. Yeah. Stuff like that where you can't get a touch, you only go well that you move the ball reasonably well, but you're stuck inside your what the red zone, the 17 yard line after the penalty. Mm-hmm. Or not penalty, um five yard lot, whatever. The again, I hate this. I'm never using theirs again. This is completely out of order. But basically, they're in the they're in the red because it says a five yard gain, but it's just moving back the ball five yards different. I'm like, no, because uh-huh. it says Nick Starkle pass complete for five yards. Nevada or San Jose, San Jose State third and two at the twelve. Fourth down is fourth and seven and seventeen. You can't gain five yards and go backwards. So I'm like, I'm done with that. But that but that position they Nevada took advantage of the turnovers they got. Where San Jose State's not quite enough when, when they were able to stop the Wolfpack offense, which was okay. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of what this game comes down to. That's pretty much it, where Nevada's defense is good in another game for San Jose State where they're close, but don't get the win. 
Speaking of close games, did you realize that San Jose State has now played six out of seven or six of their last seven games as, as far as like one score games? No, I was going to look into that right now. And it was close. Everything but the uh, CSU game. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, including the last four have yeah, all been by good. one score. And they're, and they're exactly, I believe they are three and three in those games. Uh, they are. They, um, yeah, they include the Mexico State. The only blowout was the CSU 32-14. So despite, like, San Jose State, like, oh, they're not that great. They're still they're right battling. There. Yeah, they're close. Like, they, they host Utah State. They might be able to beat Utah State, maybe. I mean, yeah, San Jose State hasn't gone away. So, like, you know, I think you and I sort of have differing opinions on Utah State at this point. But I think yeah. we can both agree, like, Utah State can't sleep on the, on, on the spark. Oh, no. That's a game I could um, – Either team can win that game. I'd probably lean. I don't know. I'd, even though it's at San Jose State, I'd probably lean Utah State a bit. Right now, FPI, ooh, whew, fifty-one to forty-eight, Matt. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a sneaky fun game. We'll talk about it more State, next, later in the week. We will. All right, time for the final game of the weekend. Your Matt's coach vote for Coach Theo Brady Hoke. His fight in Aztecs. San Diego State beats beats Hawaii. They, they just put the Warriors in the sleeper hold. <laughs> that's all it was yeah it that's was, basically all, right, all it was it was like <laughs> we're up by a couple points we're done here let's just ride the bus home put a neutral push i mean i give the aztecs credit like they know exactly what they want to do it, it has zero flash and it absolutely works for them because they make it work you know that's yeah. that's where you get disparities like the fact that you know hawaii ended up with a 50 percent rushing success rate but they had an overall offensive success rate of just 26 percent so, so if you're wondering, you know, 19 of 34, 175 yards in, in, with a touchdown and an interception from Siobhan Cordero, um, that, that pretty much tells you all of it. Yeah, that's it's a story. Game over. We're done. Like, yeah, like, the, right? the, like the, deep, the, defenses, <laughs> the defense just put them in a headlock. And, and, and same as we talked about with Boise State, you know, San Diego State's defensive line won the game in a lot of ways. You know, four sacks, you know, between Cameron Thomas who, again, you know, dark horse defensive player of the year candidate. Um, I'm trying to remember John Schaefer put out the the stat of, of his production over the last 12 games. Did you happen to see that? Um, I don't recall off the top of my head, no. Well, I'm going to look it up in just a second. But, I, you know, I want to mention, like, you know, Kishon Banks had a, had a sack and a half. Jonah Tavai had a sack. You know those guys up front put in the work that they needed to in order to. Oh, do you mean the Cameron the Cameron Thomas stat? Yeah. So over the last twelve games, I was able to find it. Cameron Thomas, yeah. so seventy four tackles, 39, 39 solo, twenty and a half mm-hmm. tackles for loss, and nine sacks. That dude's playing on Sundays. Totally. So that's what this year and last year essentially. Uh, yeah. He is very good. <laughs> well, I, and like I said, like you know, the, like the defense didn't. Uh, I mean, other than the defensive line, you know, obviously they had an interception. Trenton Thompson brought one down. You know, I think they also forced a fumble. You know, the de- so like the secondary, of course, we can put in its own work as well. That's where you end up, I think, with Hawaii, and they they ended up averaging what two and a half yards per play, something like that. It doesn't help when your top two. Leading pass catchers or running backs. Yeah, that does not uh, help. See, it was, it was uh, four yards per play. 
which is ironic because the Aztecs only averaged 3.8. But, you know, that, that doesn't matter. <laughs> Shevon Cordero had 175 yards passing on 34 attempts. Yeah. Like, Greg Mill didn't run very well. He did only averaged like three yards, a, just over three yards a carry. This was, like you said, defensive sleeper. All right, we're up. We're just cruising on. We're, we're coasting our way home, guys. We can, we'll make it home. We got the downhill just enough to go. We'll make it. We'll go slow. It may not look pretty, but we'll get it done, and we'll get there in time and get to victory. Yeah, I mean, like and, Hawaii's longest drives were their two final drives of the game, but that went 70 and 50 yards. No other drive went more than 49 yards. And only three points to show for it. Yeah. Like, they were – they just ran out of time. Like they couldn't get close enough. They got they reasonable, like at the 23 yard line there. That's do what you got to do. You know what I mean? Like they're right about the red zone. They just couldn't, it was just tough at the end. They couldn't score, but this yeah, it's a game where just everything was punt, 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 and punch, like a ton of punts. Well, and here's the like, other thing too. Like, you know, like, not as long. like obviously I think Matt Arise has been getting the lion's share of the attention from the special teams. Um, and you know, he had a field goal in this game. He missed one for 53. Of course, he, you know, he bombed another 79 yard punt, which everybody was talking about over, on over two to two returners. But you know, the, but they had a fake field goal for a touchdown, right? Mm-hmm. And that was what decided the game. That's like that is that is ballsy. I did not expect that. Who went for Brady Hoke? You know what I mean. But but I'm saying like you know I think you're seeing you know, San Diego State sort of feel themselves and and take risks in ways that are totally in keeping with the way they want to run their team like they want to run a suffocating defense and an offense that's just not going to make mistakes that can wear opposition down and you know you know it seems like they're just they're comfortable winning close games in a so, way in a, in a way where like other teams win a lot of one score games and you're like okay well what like when is this going to happen when is this going to happen with San Diego State you don't really have those questions because they kind of are what they are and it and they make it work it's like a science to them so this team is 81 yeah they're ranked 24th in the current playoff bowl mm-hmm. are they going to move up this week like where do you think you you did a projection last week where do you think they might be like cuz Fresno lost yeah. Um, I need to see who well, a lot of teams lost the top 25. Yes. Hawaii seemingly is a quality win from what we can tell. Sort so, of. okay. So here, uh, so among the, te- among the teams near the bottom of the top 25 that lost. So Fresno's one, they were 23. Uh, Minnesota at 20 also lost um, okay. to, to a sub 500 Illinois team. So there's no way they're going to be back in the rankings. <laughs> no way. Better not be. Uh, Mississippi State lost to Arkansas. So, like, you know, the Razorbacks might jump into the top 25. Um, you know, Iowa looked relatively unimpressive against a really bad Northwestern. Um, so, I mean, there weren't that many upsets that, that the Aztecs, I think, are going to be able to exploit. But I, w- I could definitely see them moving up a spot or two just by virtue of, of attrition above them. And I think more think, importantly, I think more importantly, they can keep they can feel better about keeping their eye on Cincinnati because Cincinnati did not look impressive at all in, in taking care of Tulsa. No, I mean, you know, they're, they're they're right there. They just got to keep they just got to keep playing their game. Is San Diego, San Diego State get jump, get, going to get jumped by Utah? It's interesting. They, I'm very they beat interested the pants to see, off Stanford. They beat the pants off Stanford. I'm very interested to see 
how that, you know, the resume kind of element works for both of those teams because San Diego State beat that Utah team. Mm-hmm. And they've they've more or less like I think the committee is aware of exactly the kind of team that the San Diego State team is. And so, you know, it's it's not gonna win a lot of like beauty contests, but it works. So I'm very interested. To see, I'm very interested to see how that dynamic works relative to the one that they Me too. that a lot of people were alleging for, for example, Oregon and Fresno State. Yeah, because Utah has three losses at the moment. Yeah, but Utah, like the way they're playing, and this is me. It this is maybe okay. Ninety-seven percent not being the Utah guy. They might beat Oregon when they host the Ducks in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. However, they might lose to freaking Colorado because the Pac-12 is weird. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and, and I, think you have to, I think you have to think about other teams too, especially in the group of five who we thought weren't going to get ranked, but they might play through this week. So like Houston is one, although they, I think maybe their resume gets dinged a little bit because SMU lost again this past yeah. week. Um, yeah. And, you know, UTSA, <laughs> you know, beat UTEP pretty convincingly. So they're still unbeaten. I have to think it's they're going to get a lot more consideration than they got last week. Um, I think so. undefeated and beat a UTEP team that has what six wins, I think. Uh, yeah, UTEP, yeah, they're below. Well, they're, they're a lot better. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. Louisiana is eight and one. App State is seven and two. Coastal is eight and one. They won last week without Grace and McCall, though. So yeah. So I mean, you know, and then of course you you've got power five teams like Arkansas. Could they leap in with three three losses? Utah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, I think that there's a number of teams that San Diego State's going to have to contend with. But I think you know, given their current position, it's it's hard to think that they're not just going to at least a spot or two. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't Kentucky lose as well? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. All right. So here's a bigger question, which we'll monitor as the weeks go on. Houston, let's if Houston and Cincinnati both keep winning, and Houston wins over Cincinnati in the American title game, is it safe to say I I'm going to say yes to this that Houston would leapfrog? The Aztecs? I have no idea. I mean, Houston's not that good, are they? But but they got one loss. They've got three one-score victory. No, they no, excuse me. They beat South Florida by two touchdowns, but South Florida sucks, so who cares? They beat East Carolina by a touchdown. They beat SMU by a touchdown. They beat Navy by a touchdown. I think they're going to trip up. Do you not want them to trip up, or do you want them to beat Cincinnati so Aztecs well, can go to? Of course, I want, I want. Of course, I want them to trip up because they're going to meet Cincinnati in the championship game anyway. So you want a loss before, and then you, they beat Cincinnati. Yeah, you need a true loss, Houston, if you're a San Diego State fan. Yeah, I think one loss would jump them because that would be a much better win than anything San Diego State would have. Even if, well. I could argue this if you talk like we talked about this in my radio show. What if Utah just wins the rest of their games? They beat Oregon twice. Yeah. They beat Arizona and Oregon and uh, Colorado. Our our comparison was well, they jumped past BYU because obviously they showed in town here in Salt Lake. But that might be that could be considered a better win a ten and three Utah Pac twelve champion team over a American team that's twelve and one. Exactly. We'll see, but I. I think Houston, based on history and who has what they what the committee does in good wins, like there's a reason BYU's ranked where they are with five five power five victories, and UTSA is not ranked at undefeated as of last time. That win would carry a lot more weight, carry some weight, but we'll see. Yeah. 
I don't know. It's, there's still a month left. There's still craziness that could happen. We've seen it all go down. But I would suspect Aztecs would be at best 22 tomorrow or Tuesday when the rankings come out. I guess we'll find out. We'll see. Anything else to add about the sleeper game, or is it just enough to finish up there and be done? Uh, no, I think we're <laughs> good to go. All right. So it's MWR.com. Check us out. Subscribe. If you, if you Again, if you listen to this and not on the website, what are you doing? Just go read what we have. We have basketball coming out. The game, me and Andy did a two-hour basketball preview somehow. We did it. It's amazing. I don't know how it happened, but it worked. But MWCWR, Twitter, all that fun stuff. We'll be back for week 11 coming up, and there will be – we went, Matt, we need to dust off, the, dust off the tiebreaker book, I'm thinking, okay? Yeah. So we'll get that going. So, all right, we'll see you. I guess that's it for tonight. I'll see you next time, folks.